You're listening to a Leisure Moment podcast with your host, Deetra Helvey, who's always ready to have a casual conversation about her love for literature. This is my stop during the blog tour for Wearing the Cape by Marion G. Harmon, a tour organized by Lola's Blog Tours. Now, this casual conversation came just at the right time. Any CW Arrow fans out there? So what about that mid-season finale? So speaking with Marion, a real writer of all things superheroes of present and the past, was right on time. May you enjoy a Leisure Moments last podcast for the 2014 year and my casual conversation with Mr. Harmon. Enjoy. Hello, this is Dietra with the Leisure Moment. Hi, Dietra. This is Marianne. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. How about yourself? How's the weather back east? The weather is quite chilly. <laughs> no snow. Well, I'm, in Las Vegas. I'm in Las Vegas and happy to be there. Oh, I'm sure you are. Well, there's, there's no snow or anything like that, but we definitely have to wear our jackets now. <laughs> well... Welcome back. I'm sure I heard Wisconsin got buried and started upstate New York, didn't it? Yes, yes. Well, I am so excited to be able to talk with you um, today about your series, Wearing the Cape. Mm-hmm. And I think you started this series back in 2010. And so your blog tour is, is primarily about your first book and kind of showcasing some of the other books that have come along as well. Yes. Well, tell us a little bit about your first book, Wearing the Cape. And, and you know what? I, I must say, I must start off by saying this, that when the opportunity to um, highlight your books came along, I've kind of been on a arrow kick recently. And so just <laughs> watching that and then seeing your cover, I immediately said, okay, I have to talk to this author, someone who's who's living um, the superhero theme um, day in, day out through writing. So I just had to, you know, had to share that. <laughs> you know, a lot of people have probably become interested in my books because of all the hero, t- you know, superhero TV shows out today. Yeah, I mean, there there are so many, but to be able now to be able to um, see it in writing and read it and kind of get a, a feel for it visually in our in our own mind when we when we read is just a totally different experience. So I can't wait to talk to you about that. So tell us a little bit about your first book. I think um, wearing the cape, your main character is Hope, a.k.a. Astra. That's correct. Um, she's basically, uh, and well, I should say a, an older teenager. She's just about to go off to college when all the events start to happen. So she's almost 19 when events begin. But, um, really I, I created, uh, Hope or Astra as a, uh, a, a flashlight, you might say, to be able to shine onto this world to show readers different aspects of it, which is why I intentionally started out with a character who, um, was new to the superhero business mm-hmm. so that the reader would see that through her, her eyes as she experienced everything for the first time. And is the series, um, I noticed, I think it's kind of older, young adult, almost new adult. So would this first book be more of young adult and maybe along the way it's morphed into the new adult or talk to us about the genre? 
Well, it's it's very hard to say exactly what genre it is. I mean, um, the boundaries between young adult or older young adult and new adult mm-hmm. are really very fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard from experts that basically a, a new adult book is one that um, is themed towards that transition from being a, a teenager to being an adult. Therefore, the thresholds are, you know, graduating from high school, going off to college or getting your first job, um, moving out of the house or otherwise experiencing the world out from the shelter of your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so under that, under that classification, it's very much a new adult book. Okay. But, uh, but it certainly, I, I think it appeals to a lot of young adult readers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, statistically, I understand that uh, many uh, young readers read above their age group. So if a 14-year-old is interested in what 16-year-olds are doing now, 16-year-olds are interested in what high school seniors are doing, you know, and so oh, forth. Oh, yes. Know about that. <laughs> okay. So, so tell me, what inspired you to write with this theme or focus in mind? Um, I think the predominant reason was disappointment. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, there's a story behind that, a quick one, if you got time. Of course um, we do. Well, uh, to, to give it quick then, uh, do you remember the, the TV show Heroes? Yes. And I was kind of depressed when that show kind of just stopped. I was too, but okay. here's the thing. I, I loved the first season. The first season was awesome. It was one of the best written and you know best done shows I've seen in a long time. And I was very excited because it looked like what they were doing was they were setting up the origin story for this whole universe. And this was going to be the, the introduction to the way superheroes start to show up, if that makes any sense. Yes. And um, so I was looking forward to the next season being, you know, now that the public is becoming semi-aware of the situation, they're starting to have to cope with that. Uh, you might actually see people dressing up in costume to preserve their identities while they use their powers. Mm-hmm. You know, all those superhero themes might come out. Um, that is not what happened. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, as I'm sure you're aware, it, means, it, it remained very much a kind of a secret society thing going on. Um, told a very different story than I expected it to go. And so that kind of led me to think, well, you know, what would it look like really if we did suddenly become aware of superhumans among us? And that was the thought that sparked the original idea for the universe that Hope is a part of, the story that takes place. Wow. So you really, so that's how that started. You really took me back because I completely forgot about, um, forgot about that series as well. Um, it was a wonderful series, wasn't it? it uh, in it, many, many ways. It was, and it just kind of kind of stopped but the good thing about your series is we are I think you have um, a fifth book on the way so you have several um, books in the series I've, I've actually got four books in the mainline series already okay and there's a, a side book called bite me mm-hmm. uh, big easy night which uh, is a story of a, a, char- a side character from the first book wearing the cape that was so popular with my first readers that she got her own story. It's, it's basically a novella or I, just a slimmer-sized novel is probably the best way to describe it. Yes, and uh, so five books in all right now, four in the series, and there is a fifth book called Ronin Games, which will be out next year. Okay, and I must admit that even though we should not judge a book by its cover, you have some awesome cover art um, showcased as well for your books and on your on your website. How closely do you work with um, um, your artists in creating that that look that fits for the pieces that you're writing? Uh, well, tremendously closely. 
it, this this question sounds like it's geared towards those who are also self-publishing. Uh, my advice in this situation when you're looking at your covers is if you're going to be taking it all seriously as, a, as an indie author, your covers have to look professional. Absolutely. And uh, so, uh, I'm sorry? Oh, I was just saying absolutely. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I had done uh, was I went online to a site called DeviantArt.com. not sure if you're aware of it. I'm not. It's, it's basically a, a, a clearing site or a gathering site for artists of all stripes. And everybody from from you know uh, teenagers who are just sketching on on uh, on pads to uh, amateurs with Photoshop to you know professional artists who are already graphics artists full time um, as a way of displaying their work. And so when I was looking at uh, at republishing my first book, I decided I needed to spend some serious money, and I went out and looked for a graphics artist um, who who was on the verge of being professional, so doing very good stuff but someone who I could afford. <laughs> right. And and the pictures are very um, lifelike. They kind of pop out at you just looking at Astra and just how she's flying in the front. I mean, it feels like she's just coming off the page. And the... grinning like an idiot. Yes, yes. Uh, I've been told about that smile many times. Uh, I was very lucky. My first artist, her name was Victoria Gavrilenko. I have never met her through the wonders of the Internet. Wow. But um, she lived in uh, Stockholm, Sweden when I first uh, met her on, online and is now a professional artist in with a uh, graphics art firm in, in London. Um, but yes, I, I found her art style very appealing. I just pitched her the idea and said, could you do this, please? Mm-hmm. She said, yes. <laughs> so she did my first three book covers, and they're all just very vibrant, very colorful, like you said. They almost jump off the picture. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, and it's like social media and just the Internet period, I think, is just really a wonderful resource and tool, especially for those who are going um, through the self-publishing realm. Would you agree? Yes. And secondarily, when I, once I had you know, procured uh, Victoria's um, aid in this, she didn't know exactly what I wanted, so I went back to DeviantArt and I started looking for poses and, you know, themes and whatnot to make it look kind of like this and this and this and this and, you know. And so, yes, I mean, it's a tool for finding artists. It's a tool for finding inspiration. It's a tool for connecting people who would never otherwise meet professionally. Um, it's wonderful. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you have been an avid reader since, I believe, first grade. So th- the teacher in me has to just ask, Tell me about the impact that you believe, um, you know, that that love and commitment to reading has on writing and your writing in particular. Well, I guess I can only speak for myself, Mm -hmm. but from my own personal experience, if other writers are the same, I think that to be a, a really successful writer, you have to live in your own mind to a degree that is almost unhealthy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, most readers, most most writers that I've talked to are also avid readers, which means, of course, that, you know, you'd rather read than, than go to a party or or uh, you spend half your day thinking about a storyline plot that you would otherwise spend in more productive ways. Um, I think that uh, at a certain point, I guess, if you're an avid reader, writing almost automatically becomes a, an outlet for you. And, and these days, of course, there's there's fan fiction on net everywhere. There's uh, there's so many ways to write just for the fun of it, and uh, and get it out there and have people see it. So it's becoming a writer's world. Yes, it really is. 
and, and tell us what what are you working on now? Well, as I said, um, next year Ronin Games will be out, and I can't tell you anything about that other than with the name Ronin Games, you can imagine it takes place in Japan. Oh. Um, but yes, Astra and her, her team of married men are going on a road trip. Another one. <laughs> so this will be the second book to take place largely outside of Chicago. Um, I hope the readers like it. Oh, of course. And, and do you um, surround yourself or immerse in other type of writing groups? Or, you know, do you have um, other people that you like to bounce off ideas or get feedback from? Or are you the type that just write until the words come on and you're finished? Do you collaborate with others? Uh, I wouldn't say collaborate, but I'm very blessed in that I have a large family. I have uh, five brothers and sisters. And uh, all of them are avid readers also. <laughs> it's genetic. Oh, that's and, wonderful. And uh, so when I get my first draft done, or even when I get my intermediate draft done, I will often, you know, hand it off and say, now tell me what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I get instant feedback from a, a, a family circle that's very critical in that writing. Um, that helps tremendously. In fact, they're, they're basically my alpha readers. And uh, I rarely go outside of that circle, although I have some older friends that, uh, that do as well. Mm-hmm. But I've never really gone to the, I've never gone into writers groups, um, probably because when I was first writing, I was a little too shy about my own writing. Mm-hmm. So the idea of presenting it to total strangers was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, for anyone out there who wants a, a, going back to the internet, a really valuable tool, right. I got incredible feedback and, and, uh, and help um, from a site called youwriteon.com. And it's, uh, it's, it's based out of England, but anybody in the world can, can you know, tune into it. Okay. And what you do is you take your first 7,000 words of your manuscript and you put it out there on youwriteon.com. And it is critiqued by people you've never met, will never talk to. You, you probably won't even know what their, what, their even, uh, what their internet address is or anything. Mm-hmm. It's all done through the system. And so, yes, uh, it had a huge effect, actually, on my work, getting critiqued by other writers whom I've never met. So is it kind of similar to um, Wattpad a little bit? And, you know, I'm not even really familiar with Wattpad a lot, but I've been hearing a lot of buzz about um, that website as well with people posting um, their stories and getting feedback. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's similar, I think, um, but it is a bit more uh, uh, organized, is the better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the way it will work is there's actually a monthly contest. There are a couple of publishing houses uh, based in England that uh, will, at the end of the month, uh, anyone who's rated the, the, the top five rated 7,000 words at the end of that month uh, will get a critique from an assistant editor or whatever, you know, at the publishing house. And so there's a contest going on month to month, you know, month in, month out. And the way it works is that uh, in order to get someone to critique your work, to get a credit that, you know, that somebody then will critique for you, for you, mm-hmm. um, you must critique somebody else's and, you know, give it a, give it a rating from one to five stars and give it at least a couple sentences. And sometimes I've seen critiques that have been, you know, several pages of this, 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 you know, down the line. Right. And so the more you critique others, the more critiques you get of your own book or your own, your own manuscript. And so it's very much a round-robin contest competition. Okay. Cool yes. deal. Yeah. So it's a, it's a beautiful way of not only getting feedback, 
But it's also, when you've got a polished enough 7,000 words, you've got a very good chance of having someone at a publishing house actually take a look at this and give their professional opinion. Wonderful. Well, thank you for yeah. that tip. That's a good tip for all of our um, listeners who may be thinking about writing or who are engaging currently in the writing process. Well, Marion, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, I want to tell our listeners that if you're listening through iTunes, you can find out everything you need to know about Wearing the Cape series by visiting Facebook, Goodreads, Amazon, or wearingthecape.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We can't wait to post. Well, thank you, and I hope you enjoyed the book. Thank you. You have a good evening. Good night. Bye. Hey, if you enjoyed that episode, let us know on iTunes by giving us a great review. We want to thank all our listeners again. Check us out at AleisureMoment.com. Like us on Facebook and Twitter. Have a good one.